mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey guys, it's Candice. We really thought we would have everything figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but shocker, we don't. Nope, haven't figured it all out yet, but that's okay. That's totally cool. That's why we get the opportunity to sit down with amazing guests like today's guest, Shelly Omolade-Bell. She is a systems disruptor. She has blazed new ways of thinking in the educational, political, and financial systems and has scaled over 100 businesses across sectors. Shelly, who also goes by Omi, has worked as a K-12 educator, patent examiner, spoken word artist, and is a computer scientist and nonprofit executive. Between creating the first teepee for women on Airbnb, launching a business as a single mom of three, and building tech platforms for equitable financial capital, Ami practices the mantra she preaches to resist being average. Her most recent disruption, Black Girl Ventures Foundation, which transforms entrepreneurship by reimagining the way black and brown women founders get access to financial and social capital. She was named one of the 100 most powerful women in business by Entrepreneur Magazine and acknowledged as a rising brand star by Adweek. She's been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Yahoo Finance, Inc. Magazine, Political Live, The Washington Business Journal, amongst others. Without further ado, let's get into it with Ami. Omi, let's get to disrupting. I am so excited that that will be like a like a through theme of today's episode. Like, what does it mean to you to be a disruptor? Oh, so, I mean, you know, it's interesting. Thank you so much for having me. 
being a disruptor, in my opinion, is akin to mindfulness that brings you into awareness of thinking of new ways to do things. I know we talk about it in the tech industry is this like, oh my God, disrupting the industry. But I think that there's daily disruptions that you can create to actually live a new life, be fully yourself, launch new parts of your business. So in the traditional tech definition, it is creating a mechanism that then uh, causes people to really shift the way that they operate in life. And with that, I would say I've created Razify, which combines like the voting and the donating. So imagine like a Shark Tank meets Kickstarter together. And now that is the way that BGV pitch competitions happen. That is how you engage in BGV pitch competitions. And now Black Men Ventures pitch competitions as well. So Black Girl Ventures and Black Men Ventures. I've also, on jobs that I've worked, I remember I was working in workforce development and I noticed we weren't making our payment points, the points that we get paid. Poverty, unfortunately, can be a money-making business, and that's another conversation for a different day, okay? But the, <laughs> I studied the contract, and I went to my boss like, hey, I just want to do this whole thing different. And he's like, what? I'm like, we're doing this all wrong, and we need to completely shift this entire way that we're doing business. At first, he said, no, of course. And then... Maybe like, you know, after I kept coming in, I'm like, hey, well, let's, this is how it can work. It's presentations, writing it out. Finally, he let me. I shifted the entire way that we were doing business and it, op- it opened up. We started making our payment point. So I would say like, I've always been the person on the job who's like raised their hand like, hey, I think we could do it this way. And then people like, no, no. So I've never been the best employee because I'm always like, hey, I think we should fix this thing. And they're like, oh, no, I don't think so. (laughs) Well, what's funny is you saying this actually reminds me of one of my favorite employers that I've ever worked with. I was on a TV show for a long time, and Julie Pleck was our creator, writer, producer, all the things. And so many people that went through her writing room have said to me when I asked, like, what was something you took away from the experience was that they could come in, you know, best pitch and best idea one. And if something just wasn't working at the end of the day, that her as like the boss of the writing room would say, you know what? No, let's even if we've even if this was my idea, even if this is what we'd already committed to, let's throw it away and let's start over. Because if it's not working, it's not working. And we don't have to force ourselves to make this work. So I actually love hearing you say that. That has always stuck with me since I I had heard something similar to that. I want to start at the beginning before we start getting into entrepreneurship and 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 disrupting, you know, tech. I just, you know, obviously children are a blessing. I I have two children of my own. Another word we could also call bringing life into this world and becoming a mom for the first time, second time, however many times is a disruption. You know, there's, there's always good times to have children. There's always, maybe sometimes they're a little bit more difficult, but it is re you saying like, it's the, you all of a sudden have a different way of looking at the world or, or um, your life or a task at hand. I mean, what is a better example than that than when you become a parent for the first time? And I think it's so incredible that you found yourself at 17, a mom for the first time, and went to college. Could you start about being, telling us about being a young teen mom and how that shifted your perspective? Because I have a feeling that really plays into your ability to get things done, see something and realize like, no, 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 it can be done. I will figure it out. I will make this happen. Well, I mean, that's such an interesting question because getting it pregnant, what I realized more recently is that getting pregnant at 17 was definitely not, well, I didn't realize that it wasn't favorable, but I knew that it wasn't favorable. But what I realized is that I have been living a lot of my life in reaction to the moment it happened. Right. Like not the raising of the kids, not how great they are now. None of that. But like the moment that my family found out or I had, you know, shared with my parents was not a good moment. It, and, and honestly, maybe it caused some fight or flight in me, meaning like, you know, I spent a lot of time being like, oh, no, uh-uh. you if, if parents, if single parent, the kids of single parents don't you know, go to college, my kid's going to college. Oh, if if the kids of single parents are not smart, my kid's going to be smart. Oh, and I spent a lot of time caught up in the fight of what it meant to defy odds because I was a single parent or because I had a child so early. I had my first child at 17, my second child at 21, and then my last child at, what, 32, right? So, like, 
it was it was a like, no, you're not going to tell me who I can't be rebellion. And granted, it brought me a lot of what I would consider success. But when I take a step back and become aware of what I was feeling, I had to really sit with like, wow, like I I don't want to have to fight like that. Like, like, I don't want that fight. I don't want to be driven by fight. After I got to a point where I checked off all the boxes, like, boom, kids smart. Boom, kids in college. Boom, okay, you know what I mean? Okay, boom, I made, made my business. Boom, made my money. Boom, here we go. Now I'm like, uh, I have nothing else to fight. What, like, what, what, what? So what's my motivation now? Like, how do I, how do I stay motivated now? What does that mean, you know? In terms of being a mom, I'm a very radical mom, so I don't know it. <laughs> I don't know how many parents out there want my tips because I believe that, you know, having children, if you decide to, and it should be a decision that you make, if you decide to, it is a part of what keeps your thought process in the world. And if you look at like when people, you know, become wealthy, the first thing they do is try to have, a, you know, start having a bunch of children. I mean, it's a way to continue thought process, maybe even create more innovations, maybe create more people in the world who will make change. And so it's a very important part of my life. I don't take it lightly. I love being a mom. And I think, I don't think people feel comfortable having this, being able to say that all the time. When you, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and a mom though, you make a lot of sacrifices. So I made a lot of sacrifices and I've just gotten to a point in gro business growth that I can kind of not have to make as many sacrifices. And sacrifices look different, meaning like it may not have, it may be that there was times when I had to do things like I knew that my children would remember the most impactful moments, right? Because like when you were a kid, you're going to, you forget most of what happened to you, for, you know, uh, that were like little moments per se. And you remember the most impactful moments. So I thought a lot about how do I create impactful moments that I know they will remember and maybe as many of those as I can while I work three jobs, while I try to, you know, launch these business endeavors, while I, like, how could I be thinking about the big moments that they'll remember, try to be as supportive and as many community people around me as possible to really support me as a whole. Right. One of those things I'll say that I did was back in the day, it ain't not back in the day that far, but when the Nintendo DS came out, I would purposefully make sure we had dinners out at least once a month. I bought all of us Nintendo DSs, including me, and I would make sure that we would go to dinner at least once a month and then we would all connect because the Nintendo DS could connect and we play Mario Kart at the table. I love this. And it was my way of like, I know they're gonna remember this moment. You know, like I was, you know, they're gonna remember this moment. I want to create this moment. They won't remember sitting around a table going, "So what did you do yesterday? What did you?" Yes, because that is the hardest thing is being like, "I'm gonna come to this dinner table. I'm gonna have great questions, and I'm gonna just shape their mind." And each time, I'm just like. And then what did you learn after snack time today? So I love this idea that you've just come up with, which you've had so many incredible ideas. I mean, I know that, you know, just reading about your story and how you got to where you are now, there were so many different avenues and paths that you started to embark on before really finding yourself able to commit to entrepreneurship. But you seem to have always had the desire to be an entrepreneur for a very long time. What what made where did that come from? What was that rooted in? Imagination. You know, I, I like, I grew up with a really big imagination. And my mom read to me every night when I was growing up. I, uh, okay, so here's an example of the play on imagination, right? So when I was growing up, my mom used to read to me. And there was this one book that was my favorite book. It was a Hello Kitty book. And Hello Kitty lost her kite. And some, like, ambiguous animal appears in a hot air balloon and helps her go save her kite, right? Now, in my mind, this hot air balloon was the most colorful, beautiful thing you could ever find. In fact, I have a hot air balloon tattooed on my arm because I was always so fascinated from a young child until now with hot air balloons. And I'm going to retire with a hot air balloon fleet. Okay, that's another conversation. But, <laughs> but when I got older, right, I went to, I found the books. I kept a lot of my books for my children. So I found the book and I'm like, oh my gosh, here's this book. I looked at the book. That that hot air balloon looked like a whoopee cushion. <laughs> okay. 
That thing was not colorful at all. And so I said, wow, the power of your belief and your imagination. So there's no way I could spark what I sparked without believing that I could. At the beginning of BGV, well, I'll even take it back before that. Right before starting BGV, I got laid off twice back to back, right? And getting laid off twice back to back, I did the only thing that a person who's gotten laid off twice back to back could possibly do. I went home and I called California Psychics, okay? Because something had to be wrong and I needed somebody (laughs) from my higher power to tell me what it was. I'd never been laid off. And the woman, she told me, and she was the only person that was on point because I tried a couple times after that and it didn't work. And I was engaged at the time. And she said, when you find a thing that you want to do, the money will come and you're not going to be with that guy. So within two months, my entire life flipped upside down. And I got disengaged, unengaged, whatever the proper word is. I just was like, I'm not going back to work for anybody that can fire me this way. So I'm going to start my own business. I don't know what I'm going to start, but I started digging for resources and tools that I had. One of the first things I did was I built a tent in my living room. I built a teepee in my living room and I rented it out on Airbnb. And everybody thought I was crazy. They were like, nobody's going to sleep in your living room in a tent. And I'm like, I bet they will. Why? To be honest, I don't even know where my head was. Because there's not one time that I thought it wouldn't work. Not once. That's a pre- I mean, did the psychic say something about a tent where you're like, nope. I got to work a tent into this some way? This is okay. Never did. All right. <laughs> she didn't know. She didn't know my Native American roots. She didn't know. So I, it worked. Like, you know, one woman came to stay with us. It was like $40, $40 a night, something like that. And um, it worked. I had a lot of people that wanted to come and stay. And I eventually was like, Ashley, I don't want anybody sleeping in my living room in a teepee. What else do I have? So I came up with a t-shirt idea, landed on, made by a Black woman. And then I launched a, like a, a the clothing line and a print shop right beside it. And so in doing that, they both took off. I ended up doing deals with like Google and Amazon for the print materials. And I was doing well. And then the news came out. Black women are not getting access to capital. Black women are starting businesses at six times the national average yet receiving less than 1% of venture capital. And my thought was like, I could do something about this. Honestly, that was my thought. Like, here I am six six years later with like a multi-million dollar nonprofit, but I, I'm sharing with anybody in lots of impact, which I'll share in a second. But anybody out there, like imagination is the key. There's no way I could have just been like, you know what? I think I could do something and then pulled a bunch of people together based off of things I had done before and then created this activation. So maintain your imagination. Something is, I I have a few friends in the, in the fashion industry. And that's hard. I mean, even just to come up with a t-shirt line, if that is not, you know, a world that you know, where do you go from, you know, conceptualizing the idea to then execution of the idea? I know there's an element of building the plane as you fly it, but, you know, for you, what was the first step? I mean, for me, I have to get things on a large and a life board. So I'm always a whiteboard. I think one, I think there is following your gut. So I think first things first is like, is this what your gut is saying or is this what your purse is saying? Is this what your stomach is saying? Like, is it your stomach because you need to eat or is it your gut because you truly feel called to do this thing? I think that is is key. I know that sounds so woo-woo and sort of just like, you know, cloudy, but like it really is. Like, if, if you just follow your gut every day, I believe you'll always be in the right place, whether it feels uncomfortable or not. So that's what I'll say, right? So I think first, but in my execution steps, first there's the idea. Ooh, boom, you know what? I'm going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Now, what do I do next? I usually go get a big white board. I have one literally right here beside me where like one on wheels. Like it's like a huge whiteboard. And I have to draw things out. I have to like map it out. I have to like whatever comes to my mind, I have to draw lines. I have to write out goals. I have to write the goals and dry erase them. I have to like, there's all these parts of me that I have to like get out. I can't do it on a sheet of paper and I can't do it in a journal. So a lot of times people ask me like, are you, do you journal? And I'm like, the journal feels too small. I have anxiety sometimes around journals because it's just not big enough for me to 
where I feel like my idea is and where my brain is expanding, right? So I would say, get you a whiteboard somewhere or get a chalkboard, go somewhere, have a moment to yourself and just let the energy flow. Don't try to think of everything. For, like, first thing we try to do is like, well, how's it going to make the money? How's it going to do the things? Like, stop and let it flow. What do I feel about this? What's in my heart? What's in my head? How are they connecting in order for me? Again, I know this sounds super woo-woo, but you're also catching me right off of a spiritual retreat. That's the so- best time to catch someone. <laughs> that is the best time. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. 
with so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. back uh, using your body as a compass is a decision is a decision making tool that I learned from one of my intuition coaches and the way it works is you sit you think of something that is your like I don't know who the audience is if I can say hell yeah yeah <laughs> you, okay 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 you think of something that is a hell yes full body okay you like full body this right here when I think of this thing and it could be anything for me it's orange juice when I think of orange juice and when I drink orange juice, I feel like uh, fairies are sprinkling pixie dust down my throat and my body is glowing orange. Like, that's how much I love orange juice, right? And then you do go the opposite direction. What is a hell no? For me, it's peas. I do not understand why peas exist and why we need them. And why they pop in your mouth the way they do or squish like who came up with peas, right? Like that's how I feel. I want to like marry the person that came up with orange juice, maybe. And I want to like like have a conversation with the people who came up with peas. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So when I'm making decisions, I get this whiteboard, number one, because you gotta write it out, draw it out, right? Two, I sit with these the these aspects of using your body as a compass. And I make and I decision make. Throw everything at the wall, sit, decision make. What thing comes first? The third thing is so first is find you a big space to just get it all out. Second thing is decision make. Like how are you going to make these decisions? And what does that look like for you? And a body as a compass, you can flip coins. Honestly, the universe will provide. All right. And then the third thing is asking yourself the right questions. And you have to think through, like, the quality of your questions determines the quality of your life. So Ooh, are you... I rem- yeah, deep dive into that. The quality of your questions is the quality of your life. So remember, so my, a friend of mine, Felicia Hatcher, she says that all the time. And I remember asking my intuition coach, uh, well, like, like trying to date, right? And being like, you know what? I want to know if he's the one. And she's like, the one what? The one who can wash your car? The one who's going to open doors, the one who can grow with you, the one who's a collaborator, the one. So I think that when we think about answers, we cut ourselves short sometimes on like getting to the bigger picture of where we're trying to go by saying like me saying, is he the one that communicates nothing? It just it leaves it at I want somebody else to decide or I want I'm hoping that the universe will give me some big hit or intuitive notion so I'll know I'm doing it right. But it's actually not a guiding question. It's just like if you were to say, I want my business to grow. Okay, grow where? Grow how? Grow at what rate? It's really making things more specific. Yeah, I understand that. A hundred percent. It's like when people get into interviews for jobs and they say, I'm a hard worker. What does that mean? I did great here. What did you do that was, what, by whose measure? Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's like, go ahead, don't be afraid to drill down into the details and and decide for yourself. I find it a lot, I found myself making moves and wanting somebody else to decide. You know how, like, you go, like, if a person you're dating, I'm just using this example, you really like them and they're supposed to call you at nine. And then you make all these plans to be available at nine. And then they call at 930. And you're like, well, I made all these plans to be available at nine. And now here I am waiting. And it's like, wait a minute. No, you was available at nine. But anybody tell you to wait till 930? Mm. Go yeah. do you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yes. And so, we, yes, it's very easy to sit there and wait. When you started Black Girl Ventures, you would did you feel like you already had this wealth of knowledge and information that you were ready to share this? I mean, you how at what point were you in your own personal entrepreneurship to be able to then mentor other women that you were working with? Or did you feel like you were this collective group who kind of learned as you went in the early days together? Yeah, great question. Well, I always had a side hustle. So, you know, I was, I had a web development company. I called myself a private eye at one point. Again, another conversation for another day. Wait, you were a private eye? I called myself that. All it was <laughs> that I knew the internet better than people. Because <laughs> I'm I'm a computer scientist, so I knew the internet better than other people. So all I would do is like use like the, the white pages to like call up the person's neighbor. You know what oh I'm saying? Gosh, like, hey, you know, I'm looking this. for this, this, this. You know, like, <clears throat> and nobody, do, I do not advise that anybody out there, <laughs> anybody out there do this, okay? This is me hustling. I sell vacuum cleaners, and I would say that selling vacuum cleaners actually was some of the best experience that I've ever had. In hindsight, in that moment, I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is it just because of the one-on-one, you, the, the actual having to, like, is it the pitch practice, essentially? 100%. You have to go to somebody's door and try to get them to let you in their home to show them something they already own. The power in it. Yeah. You know, the, the people who stand outside of grocery stores to like raise money for for organ, local organizations or like animals and stuff like that. So I did that for a while uh, when I was living in L.A. And but that was our before we were before you moved up to the level of standing in front of grocery stores, you had to go door to door and knock on people's houses and try to like wrap them up into a, a like a 10 minute conversation. And it is, it, you learn a lot about yourself having to just knock on people's doors and engage with them in conversation and, and just try to get them to hear you and see you for a minute. 100%, but I would say that it prepared me for pitching. Like I remember my first like actual pitch to someone, the guy said to me, well, I'm not in DEI, so why should I fund you? And meanwhile, he was already funding a pretty much all white woman led group at a time. And I remember thinking like, dang, why you got to come at me like that? You know, like, <laughs> I remember like, uh, okay. Like, you know, I, like I was coming to pitch to him at a four, not because I was looking at us as being black and that meant you had to have a diversity thing like that wasn't even on my mind so I was a little taken aback by the fact that he even brought that up because now it's like oh that's how you're looking at us right and I wasn't fully equipped for like combating that because I didn't want to you know I want I didn't want to offend the other group because you know it might be majority white women but they were great people so I didn't want to be like yeah but the other group you find is all white people you know like I didn't want to do that you know I wanted to just be sensible so I just came back with, I don't even know, I think I just said something real simple like, yes, but we're going to have so much change that we're going to produce in the future or something. Because I was just, I didn't know how to combat from that. And similar to being at that door where somebody's like, why should I let you in my house? I got the best vacuum cleaner ever over here. You know, what do you mean? Like, I don't know you. I don't know what you're going to bring me. I don't know if this can really vacuum. One of the things that the person that was working with me and training me to pitch during that time of, with the vacuum cleaners he said to me, you know that all these other vacuum cleaners that people go door to door with, they're going in and they're showing people all these things that the vacuum cleaner can do well, except for the one thing that the vacuum cleaner is supposed to do. Vacuum. <laughs> so, you know, they're coming in with attachments. They're coming in with shampoo on the carpet. Okay? So he's like, look, all you got to do is show them how well the vacuum cleaner vacuums. And I like, I take those types of lessons into like with BGV, I'm like, hey, y'all, all you got to do is actually show that the core of this business creates returns. Like the social things that people want to add to their business. Yes, that's great. But make money first. You know, it's like the core of a for-profit business is that you're going to make money. So I would just say like all of my hiccups and challenges that I've been through, I think that was a point where we started bringing women together. I believe that part of my like core soul mission on this planet is to create containers of belonging. And then the people will do the work of changing the world. And that. so that's what I've really been doing. 
do you feel like you had to I for I feel like just speaking with you, my assumption would be that you you were very good at understanding at the very beginning that it was about the numbers, you know, and like even your computer background. Yes. Whereas do you feel that there is this, you know, incredibly inspired generation right now, but who are just trying to be like, but it's about the planet and we'll also kind of make money. Or do you feel like everyone's, you know, on the right track when you are essentially when you do have new uh, entrepreneurs kind of coming in, trying to navigate a pitch in their business plans? Yeah, I think it's a great question because where we are as a society is just not the same as where we were 10 years ago. Like technology has opened up such a heightened level of visibility into multiple lives. And then the pandemic opened up the ability to see into each other's homes. The pandemic created a like home as a workplace. So you weren't just working from home. Home was your workplace. And it created this kind of like joint reality, like this joining of realities where it's like, oh, you got a dog back there. Oh, you got some kids running into your life. So I think where we are now, the younger generation, I would say, is right to be thinking about everything as impact, right? Because if we think about it, like we've been buying into the narrative of like, oh, there's impact over here and then there's business over here. That's not true. All of this is making an impact. Right. Like every time we crank up a car, we may be contributing to our carbon footprint. You know what I mean? Like like the, the reality is that like everything has an impact. And the fact that now technology has broken down the barriers or walls of being able to see each other. I don't think we can continue to ignore impact as a major, major function of everybody's life and every business. So I think, you know, I would encourage, empower and encourage the younger generations to find the harmony. If you want it, you can't hate capitalism and want to be a millionaire. It just doesn't, unfortunately, yeah. it just doesn't yeah, work that's that not way. how it works. Yeah. yeah like, I, yeah, I'm saying you can do what you want, but that's not going to be conducive <laughs> to growth, right? <laughs> you can so, say that's what you're doing, but that's not, yeah, exactly. So you got to, you know, make, fi- figure out, you know, where you want to harmonize who you want to be and how that's got to look for what you want to engage in. I think that, Younger generations are being a lot more conscious about that. And so I think it's great. What were some of your early goals with Black Girl Ventures and some of the ones that that you've kind of picked up along the way that you've been really surprised to take on? That's a really great question. Nobody's ever asked me that. Early, I just wanted to get people in the room. You know, I just wanted to uh, convene in the best way possible. Like I wanted to get money to Black and Brown Women Founders with this idea that I had, which essentially it started out as like a rent party. So in the early 1900s, uh, Black people migrated to Harlem. White landowners raised the rent and Black people threw parties in their homes to keep the rent. They used that admission fee. So early on, it was like, I want to make a certain level of admission fee and I want to have, be able to give out a certain amount of that uh, admission fee to the audience. And it was I want a bigger and bigger and bigger audience because I know I'll be able to do that bigger and bigger if I get a bigger audience. So I had to make some diversity decisions myself, right? At first, it was just Black women pitching to Black women. Then it was women pitching to women. And then I said, I need to diversify this because money is green. So I need all kinds of people in the audience. And I want to keep the stage to be focused on Black and Brown women. So that meant moving into different spaces. I went from living rooms to restaurants to WeWork which already had a built-in audience. So my first thought was, I want to get over 100 people. Then we moved into Google. And then we ended up with like 300 people, uh, like in different cities. So it was, and <laughs> I'll share that, I was doing my print shop business and Black Girl Ventures at the same time. And they both were kind of taking off. And so I said, okay, I'm going to give BGV three months if it does not take off in three months, it got to go. But I'm going to give it my energy. I'm going to give it my efforts. And in three months, we're going to see where this thing goes. And so I did. And it took off. More than took off. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. back what is what are some of who are some of the entrepreneurs or some of the business what are some of the business ideas and models that have come across uh, your way that you've been most excited by or most inspired by in in the last in your experience great question one of the models I would say that I really love is a company called spend it it's a husband and wife duo team um, that lead the team co-founded the company and the way it works is that you can pay your like utility bills while you shop. So you can like round up and that capital will go to your like light bill. You know, I know there's a couple of platforms that allow it to go to like savings. Um, and there's a, a lot of infrastructure in this in the stores where it can go to like prop, nonprofits. But this is one where you could pay your light bill. Right. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. So I really like that idea. Also, Kai Frazier is a, who's the founder of Kai XR which takes children on field trips using VR. Love that. And there is, I'll share, like, when we work well with partners. So to date, we funded about 300 women um, businesses. We have efforts across about 15 cities. We have about, our founders represent about 3,000 uh, jobs and about 10 million in revenue, right? And this is over the course of six years. In the, one of the com- competitions that we had, which was a Nike competition, we partnered with them. We, one of our founders, she gained over 400 new customers and then she gained Nike as a customer. That is a huge mark of success for us in terms of our collaboration with corporations and like just the power of what can happen with visibility. So if anyone is starting their own business or their own tech business, whatever they want to start what is the difference just kind of in like very simple terms of of basically going and having someone else invest in your business, invest in your idea, as opposed to just trying to use all of your own money to back it or to get money from friends and family to back it? What are the plus and pluses and minuses of both? What is more typical where you've seen more typical success? So when it comes to the different types of funding, it really depends on where you want to go with your business and, and the revenue mechanisms behind it. I think that in from a VC standpoint, which is venture capital, so just a quick breakdown, angel investors are typically individuals who are investing in companies. Venture capitalists are investing other people's money, not necessarily their own. All right. So they're investing on behalf of other people. And, and that means that they have to look at their investments different, or at least, you know, that's the way the finance world has gone so far. When you you take VC funding, you're typically in a business that is geared toward having an investment event, meaning that you're going to sell it, you're going to merge, like you want to be acquired, you're going to merge, or you want to go public. Because that's where the VCs make the bulk of their money. That's where investors make the bulk of their money off of the company. 
in the beginning, friends and family round or or your own investment from your own money is typically where you're going to be because, you know, people want to see that you guys get in the game when you go and ask them for for businesses, um, for capital as well. So you're going to typically be investing your own money in the beginning. Depending on, it's all depending up to the entrepreneur, the business owner. Where do you want this thing to go? Are you trying to scale, you know, really, really big and then sell or leave or IPO? Are you trying to, do you just want, do you want to be just, you know, in your neighborhood, in a few neighborhoods and franchise out and kind of maintain, you know, as much of your ownership as you want? Uh, It's really up to you. There's nothing wrong with either one. It's really up to the business owner's goals. Okay. And then I do want to, just because I think the art of the pitch is, it is that it is an art and it usually takes a lot of practice. Some people just have the gift of pitching, but are, do you have a few rules or, or just bullet points of this is something, if you are going to go in and pitch, these, these are kind of like good benchmarks that you should be hitting. I mean, it's really the, the, the rules of pitching are pretty basic. What is it? Why is it? And why why should I care? And why you for it? Now those sound very kind of crass and and a little <laughs> and short in the way that they're communicated. But I also want to say that like he, listening for that is not that I don't care about all the parts of what you want to do with the business, but is that in three minutes. You have three minutes to show me the opportunity. Not three minutes to show me the pitch. You have three minutes to show me the opportunity. So you want to make sure, and the opportunity could be in the market. The opportunity can be with the growth potential. The opportunity could be with who I am or who you are, right? There's multiple uh, intersections for opportunity. You just want to make sure that that's what you got me on the line to show me. So you keep in mind that this is about opportunity. This is not a beg. You know, it's not, it's not even necessarily just an ask for capital. It is showing the opportunity for both of us to get in business together and rock and roll. I love that. At the earlier in this episode, you mentioned that, you know, you at this point in your life and your career were re-examining, you know, some the root of what motivates you. So I have to ask, what are you finding that does motivate you right now? I am motivated by seeing change happen within individuals and collectives. And I'll say that because it's, you know, as I've been really, really working through and to figure out like, what am I here for? What's my purpose? What's my soul's mission? I feel strongly, like I was saying in the beginning, that it is about creating the containers that create, that have a sense of belong, give people a sense of belonging, such that when they get together, they will be the shift the world. Right. It's like the more we get together, 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 more we get together, the happier we'll be. Um, I, 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 I believe that people are the point. I could be dead tired and get into a coaching call with a founder and just feel energy just pour into me immediately. It's that's my orange juice moment. You know what I mean? I'm like, yes, especially when they're coachable and you can see people moving from one learning point to another. I was also a K through 12 teacher before. Like I said, I lived a lot of lives. So. Um, you know, those moments of learning from zero to something is like, oh, my God, I can't believe you got that. Let's go. And to see where people's lives are changed is really like a motivation for me. And it's not an easy question to answer because it is so woo-woo and intangible because a lot of times, you know, I in the early days, I used to say, my children or like, you know, but actually I'm motivated by the opportunity to change the world. And I feel that deeply. Omi, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your SiriusXM show? Yeah, I love that. So I am now hosting a SiriusXM show every Sunday at noon on Urban View, Channel 126. So check me out there. What you can expect to hear are rare, real and rare conversations about being a business owner, about being a mom in this, about dating and trying to own a business. It's like all the aspects of what the doers are doing is what I'm covering on what's currently called the Shelly Bell Show uh, every noon on su- every noon noon on Sundays on Sirius XM Channel 126. 
Omi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for just, our, this is, it's so lovely to meet you. And congratulations on all of your accomplishments and everything Black Girl Ventures over the last six years. I can't wait to see uh, what you continue to do in the world. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I really hope the listeners get a lot out of it. And I just enjoy sharing. Yay. Well, thanks. Where else can our listeners follow you on social media if they want to stay up to date? They can follow me on at I am Shelly Bell on IG because I post great things and I'm funny sometimes. And they can follow me on Instagram. All those the handle is the same about everywhere. I am Shelly Bell for now. If you look me up on LinkedIn, it's under Omi though. O-M-I. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yay. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Omi, you are my glass of orange juice. Gosh, I love that so much. The hell yes, hell no. I'm now wanting to run out and buy like a giant whiteboard to just keep in my bedroom because that is really funny. I have a lot of journals. I know Kayla and I have talked a lot about this on the podcast that Kayla's always been really good at consistency in her journaling, you know, even if it swings into periods of time where she does or she doesn't, but she's consistent when she is doing it. And I've always had that trouble where I write maybe three pages and then the rest of the book is blank because I just don't stay within that pattern. And now this is the first time I'm thinking maybe it's because the journal's too small. Maybe I just need to get like a big board and that's where I can put all my ideas down and flesh them out. That's very, very helpful advice. And I also love just that you just, you got to show them that the vacuum knows how to vacuum. That's what they want to see. That, that, that's it. They don't need to see the attachments. That's cool. Sounds good. But how often do we get a vacuum cleaner and how often do we use all those freaking attachments? Can I tell you, I have probably two Ziploc bags that I've moved with. I have moved, had these, all these extra vacuum pieces. I have paid for them to be moved from a house to a house to a house. Never used them. Not once. Nope. Have yet to use them because I just want a vacuum. The vacuums. So uh, those are (laughs) the places in in the times in life in which we learn those little nuggets of information that really do just stick with us and become just the most simple foundations from where in which we can grow. Those are great. Those are fantastic. Omi, you're incredible. Be sure to check out Omi's show, The Shelly Bell Show on Sirius XM. If you want to know more about Black Girl Ventures, just go to www.blackgirlventures.org. Omi, thank you so much for your time today. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Get ready. We'll have an all-new episode of Directionally Challenged waiting for you next week. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Mons. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast. Thank you.